Blog Talk Radio. Tennis, Mr. Chuck Reese. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. And hello, again, this is Coach Chuck Creasy. And folks, I have been out of commission the last two weeks. Uh, I've been missing a few weeks of programs here, but we've got a lot to speak about and to catch up on, and we're going to try to get right after it here on this uh, version of American Tennis every Wednesday at noon on the Yellow Ball Network, and thank you, J.P. Weber, for uh, the Yellow Ball Network. Jason Haynes started the UR Tennis Network back, golly, I think it's six, seven years ago. I know this is my sixth year of the American Tennis Program, but Jason Haynes started. Jason Haynes started uh, six years ago, and uh, we're continuing on. So thank you, and thank you, JP Weber. And folks, uh, this is American Tennis. You can go to my website at www.chuckcreasy.net. Chuckcreasy.net. And you can get all my other programs uh, from, gosh, it's five years and and, and much more. But uh, we're back in action here, and I am inspired to do the program today for a couple reasons. I've been watching the French Open, and, uh, gosh, I'm becoming such a tennis fan again. You know, most of us don't enjoy watching it that much on TV, and I don't know what it loses on TV. It's sort of like, have you ever watched hockey? Hockey is so great in person, and then it just loses so much when you go on TV. Tennis, they haven't quite figured it out, and I don't know whether it's the um, the, the format itself, but I do know that they've they've done some made some great adjustments with many of the sports, but tennis it it loses a lot. Except, and until now when the French Open has come on. And it's the clay and the yellow ball. You can see it much better. But it is the battles, the battles that you have on the clay. And it's it's just tremendous to see the momentum swings. 
excuse me, the, the toughness of the players, and you truly see the fine cutting edge differences between those players that are the greats, those that are pretty good, and those who are just average. You see the cutting edge difference. You cannot pick that up on the grass as well. You cannot pick that up on the hard courts as well, and uh, and it's the clay. So I'm inspired to talk about that, but also I'm inspired to have Coach Randy Blumendahl with us, and I uh, wanted to congratulate uh, you, Coach Blumendahl, starting your program. You've got the coaches, coach's Corner with Coach Randy Blumendahl every Sunday evening, and uh, we've got a lot to look forward to. And, folks, you can go to uh, Blog Talk Radio or many of the sites, and you can pick find. Just Google Coach Randy Blumendahl um, with Coach's Corner, and you'll get his first first program there but um coach congratulations on your program it's been an honor to hang out with you and to work with you this week and i I just needed to get you back on the air because frankly um i get a lot of coaching nuggets from you uh and your friendship uh you were the one introduced me about to the book um it start start with why not how, where, and when, and all those things. Start with why. You've talked so often. You used the, the word inspired, and you talked about why we are not inspired by some things and we are by others. But being inspired in anything is what holds a person to that to that sport and to that task. Um, I've often said that people will die for a cause, but they will not die for money or fame. If you think about it, think of the think of the causes we have that are out there that people have died for. And I'm not just talking about wars in country, but the, there's a lot of silly causes out there too. You would think that people have died for, or, or let's just put it this way: causes that we don't agree with, but for money or fame, no. But we need a cause, I think, and this the French Open and what we're seeing goes much, much deeper than um, just simple sports competition. And um, is that the way you've seen it this week and then some of the things you have noticed? Yes. Uh, thank you, Coach, for having me on the show. And, and uh, um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun watching the French Open and talking about tennis with you. Um, just spending these two weeks in camp and your knowledge of the game and, and, and watching you interact with uh, young players and, and uh, how you inspire them and, and teach them and, and truly try to find greatness in each and every one of them is, is inspiring to everyone around. So, um, it's been my pleasure to be your friend as always, and uh, thank you for helping me get the radio show started on the Yellow Ball Network. Um, and a special thanks to JP Weber, and uh, um, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, there's a lot of topics that um, I'm uh, very, very um, uh, anxious about getting started and, and talking about, and, and really just. Um, getting a lot of feedback on and, and uh, 
boy, I, I hope we get a lot of uh, momentum and a lot of people start understanding what it's going to take um, to to really start finding this in in each and every one of these children that are uh, that start up and play this great game of tennis. So, and would you say we're going at it the wrong way though, Coach? With I, I, I you know that's sort of a baited question. And thank you for your you know nice words and all that. But the bottom line on the thing, uh, are we get? I don't think we're getting the job done now. Everybody out there knows how I believe. I think uh, I, I've got like the cooties. When it comes to the USTA, I, I, frankly, I'll tell you what. You USTA guy knows guys know this. It's like Chuck Creasy's got the cooties, and 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 it's it's like the worst thing I hear over and over again. Oh, Chuck's so passionate. He's so well. You know that sounds good, but I've heard that same word passionate, but from about thirty-eight different people associated with USTA or something. So. It's sort of like, oh, Chuck's so passionate, but he's got the cooties. But the bottom line on the thing is I do know this. I've been in sports a long time, and they go nowhere if you're just working for successes and simple the simple systems unless kids have understand the incentive of being inspired, the incentive of, of being inspired. I mean, uh, it, it talks. Talk to us about where you're, where you think we're dropping the ball with training kids. Well, first of all, um, in uh, my years in academy, um, I've been around a lot of great players and a lot of players that in college coaching, college coaching over as well. seven hundred matches you've coached, so you understand that lay of the land too. Absolutely, and and uh, you know the the players listening to them and then watching how much they really love the sport is something that that I'm always able to connect with. Um, one of the things that drew me into the sport of tennis, because I played pretty much everything growing up initially, was Americans, watching Americans do well and overcome adversity and, and be in some of the toughest positions and just find a way to be the victor in those positions. And sometimes it wasn't they, – they didn't always win, but in, you know, watching careers um, develop and, and become great, um, it, it was something that was very special. And, and not that players from other countries weren't inspiring, but it was something that I connected with with the game. And, uh, well, every American does, and, and, and that's the point. I, I mean, I think you're going there for a reason, but every American – we need some American heroes, don't we? That's where – yeah, absolutely. And that's – and had there not been the Jimmy Connors and the, the John McEnroe's and the um, – you know, For the, me, the Arthur Ashes and the Stan Smiths and, and the – you know, and, and the Bob Lusses and those – Absolutely, and, and those it, 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 had there not been those players and those role models, and watching those battles, um, I never would have played tennis. I mean, tennis had a stigma that was kind of strange, um, um, even though it was kind of booming at the time. It's still like a, you know, almost like, well, I want to play a real sport. I, you know, sport. yeah, tennis, I don't want. No, no, hey, come on, you can say it out. 
Tennis had the image of a sissy sport. And and, and then, you know, even, you know, if you take away that word, I would say country club or, you know, like a a sport that, you know, you would put in line with maybe croquet. And, and, And to me, somebody that loves sport and loved the tradition of sport, that didn't really appeal initially. And when I saw these great champions and then I started really trying to figure out what the history was, I was like, whoa, this is unbelievable. This is something very special. And and to watch where it's at today, and this is where, where you asked the question, to watch, you know, um, Americans give everything they've got. To a point. To, well, give everything they've got on that day, Coach, because of what they've done with their training and believe that, that that's enough. And then watch other kids from other countries kissing their legs and, beating their chest about how much better physical shape kissing their legs the other day. Some people might not, they may not have watched who that was um, Donaldson and, and uh, um, Donaldson and uh, Donald golf or whatever that guy's name is. (laughs) Yeah. And and listen, Donaldson's one of the toughest guys out there. We've got, I've always liked him. He went down, he went down to South America on his own. He didn't take, USTA uh, stuff, and he did it on his own. And the guy's tough. He went to ten eight in the fifth set. I a great match. You've got to believe match. that. Yeah. But he he ended up cramping a little bit. And the other guy, go ahead, continue there. The only other guy was kissing his leg, kissing his legs, almost almost to say, you know, kind of rub his nose in it, like, look, I could go out here another three sets. And or I've done enough training too. There's done enough training. That I've done I enough suffered training. more than you have, and I'm going to celebrate now. Which I don't think that's the way we ultimately should respond. And I don't think that's how you ultimately are, are honoring the game of tennis. But sometimes you need a little bit of that as a player, as a country, as a coach to kind of wake you up and say, "Whoa, what are we doing here? Yeah. Now, what it, are we doing?" And, Coach, I don't even think he might – he wasn't rubbing it in the face of the other guy. Some people would have said – I think I, what I, the way I took it was he was saying, thank goodness I've done the training and legs, thanks for coming through on this great, great uh, endurance sport, this toughest of all tough sports. It's not a sissy sport, folks, Coach, and we all know this. It is not a sissy sport. So why are we – dumbing it down. I, I'm going to go there in the second half of the program. Well, we're dumbing it down. We all know we're dumbing it down. Well, let's go to, Let's go into this. How does it look in the player, and, and I've constantly said this, and I don't know every player out there. I know a lot of them, but none of them are for the shortened format. And I'm talking America, any of them that I've talked to are not for because they want the better player on that day to be able to come through most of the time. Elaborate. Elaborate why. So if you lengthen the sets, if you lengthen the games out, most of the time the better player on that day wins. And and everybody that works at anything knows that's the, that's the case. And when you shorten formats, it becomes much more random. And what it does is it takes away a lot of the inspiration to work hard because the one thing that ought to come to your head, like if you're Donaldson in that set is, hey, maybe if I work a little bit harder, instead of 8-10, it's 10-8 me. And, and if you take that away from somebody, 
you know, so, but my point is, is much different. My point is from an administrative standpoint. What do you think we look like around the rest of the world when we are, you know, going to every meeting going, oh, but we need to shorten the format. Oh, but hey, if we do this, a lot more people will be in the stands. What do you think that looks like from the outside? And it looks like we're whining because we can't figure out a way to get back up on top. It looks like we're trying to change the rules. And, and the way I grew up is kids like this that would go out and we'd play street ball, basketball, whatever it was, and kids like this that would do things that we're doing administratively would say, oh, well, it's my ball, and I'm not winning, so I'm going to take my ball and go home. And you're like, well, oh, okay, well, we're, that's not the – kid we need to pick to play ball with or or be on our school team or or be on our travel team like he's not the one so why would we do that administratively and think that that's okay i mean those are things and 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 then that message gets sent to the players and you think oh it's not doing any damage it's doing a ton of damage to our players we're not and i know i've heard that hey but we need to do this. We need to play more on the red clay. We need to – yeah, we have to do the work. We have to do the work. We have to start with let's do the work that's required to win the Grand Slams. And then from there, we'll inspire the next generation of players. And and it's not – I know it's not talent. It's not talent. And, and that's what everybody keeps saying. Well, so what happened to all the talent in the U.S.? if it was talent, which it's not. And I see these kids when they're 12. I see them when they're 14. So hey, we're winning a lot we're of the 12 and 14 national, international events. We win until the kids get 17 or 18 or 19 or 20. That's where our so-called program tails out. Our programs tail out. Our kids tail out. And you're exactly right. You're exactly right. When anybody watches American players, if you think they're saying, wow, they really are tough, they are tough outs, what are they, say, what are they saying about American players? Wait, wait, let me, let me, I've got a lot of thoughts going on here. But the other day there was a post on We Coach Tennis that said, it said, what? In American tennis, or what American tennis players have inspired you lately? And, oh, my gosh, there was a host of different things. But uh, one of the things was, yeah, the Bryans, the Bryans have always, always, always inspired. They did every tough thing. They did it with class. They did it with honor. They always did it fair and square. They've always played Davis Cup. They've always represented the country. The Bryans inspire me. Also, I think Isner's 70 to 68, his great match at time at Wimbledon, as inspiring. That's tremendous feat. Tremendous feat. And also Stevie Johnson. Steve Johnson, I think he didn't he went his junior and senior year at Southern Cal, did not lose a match, but they played traditional regular scoring. They played full matches and, and coach JP Weber asked him on the week coach tennis program his We Coach Tennis program, he he asked Mr. Johnson, Mr. Johnson, fortunately he passed away about a year ago, 
But he asked him, would Steve have won all those matches in a row had they played no ad? He said, absolutely not. He probably would have lost 10 matches or more. He would have taken a lot of hits because, not because of the skill set, he would have taken hits because of the format. So the point is, is you're exactly right. We look like a bunch of weenies that want to, hey, we're going to take our ball and go home. What have we done? We can't man up or woman up at the French Open on red clay and the toughness that it takes. So what do we want to do? We want to change the format. And we've we got Billy Jean King saying, let's play two out of three sets. Um, what's that so, What's that about? I so, mean, it's so, you know, again, you and, – and listen, I, uh, just last thing, and I'm going to – I want to hear so much more from you, but the last thing is, in college, this is what we've done. Folks, do you know that they never, ever had a vote from the college coaches that was in favor – or from the players. The players were unanimously against the NOAD format, unanimously against it. And they never had a consensus of the coaches that anybody wanted to go to this, and they have jammed this down our throat. And, you know, and I, we, it's time to resist this for all of you. Coach, well, look, I've got, I, got I, me all worked up here. But. I read an article a few years back, and I read it to the academy I was working at when Theme uh, was interviewed about his off-court training. And he, you know, he, he went with this person that didn't know anything about tennis but knew how to stretch people's minds and bodies. And, and basically I read it out, and I said, what do you guys think? And everybody's like, well, that was made up. That's where we're at. That's where we're at. Nobody was like, well, that's what we got have to do. Now, do you think it's a coincidence that that person is now at the top of the game? At the time, uh, people really barely knew who that was. He was maybe 50 in the world now. And I was thinking to myself, the reason I read it was I was like, this is going to be the guy. Yeah. This is going to be the one right here. This is the one that's going to make the sacrifices to get to where he needs to go. And, and I thought, hey this, hey, this could really inspire everybody here. And, and instead, everybody was skeptical. And we're looking for all these smooth little systems, but it's not just that. We're looking for easy ways. Yeah. The NOAD allows the, the lesser teams a great chance to win. Okay. And for us, it's the Northeast teams up there. And you know who you are, Northeast teams up there, who never win much, have a lot of talent. But those Northeast college teams, what they do, I've always said the saying, it's all right to be smarter than your hound dog. You don't want to have to train to outrun them. <laughs> and the point is, is you take work ethic, you take the traditional scoring away, and you have random results. So all of a sudden, these Northeast teams have a shot. And all of a sudden, they don't have to train as hard. What do you think would happen? What do you think would happen if if team if team would all of a sudden come out and be world champion and they say, oh, you know what, I uh, I'm all for. Do you think there's any way he would say, look, I'm all for no ad scoring? Do you think no. there's oh, let's play no ad? I want to make it shorter. It doesn't matter that I did all this work. And the, and the point is, and you know, one of the points is here that, that you know, you're getting at, no, absolutely not. The answer is no, not in a million years. Fed, at his age, 
doesn't want to do that, doesn't want At to do At his age, a better. At his age, I'm his giving age. him a disclaimer because how many players have it, have done what he's done at 37. And you're talking about a handful of players, and you're looking for everything to give you some sort of advantage at that age. At his age, he doesn't want to do that. He still wants the better player to come through. But, you know, because he's obviously he's honoring the game. Every every action speaks very loudly to me when I see him play. And his championships are legitimate championships. That's another thing. We probably need, for any of these no-ad scoring guys, and your children have to do it. And those who win championships, you probably need an asterisk. You need an asterisk next to your team or your name that said that said we played no ad, win dated, or it wasn't legit. It wasn't a full deal. It wasn't a nine inning ball game, and and it it delegitimizes the the great great champions we have had. And 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 look, let me let me finish this point with the the shortened scoring format why that it's changed and why the Northeast teams, because you're like, well, what's the difference there? What does it matter? Don't they still have to play the match? Yes, they do. But you are taking away certain types of game styles. You're taking away the work ethic. You're taking away opportunities to improve and be able to pass other players up. So all of a sudden, your junior resume matters more than it mattered before because every everybody's getting beat by random players. So, you know, and then you have a few players that are like, okay, because of their game style, they're able to do fairly well. But what about the kids that aren't able to catch back up? What about the kids that aren't able to break players down because they have different game styles and they can't lengthen the games long enough to stretch out the matches? What about all that? Like, we're discriminating against certain sizes now on the tennis court. And in tennis, in college tennis, we've done that to ourselves. Now, did they think that this was going to help American tennis? Are you kidding? Did they think that? Did they think they were helping American tennis when they did that? And, you, you know, we've already got enough issues with college tennis that – Everybody was like, well, you know, uh, let's just talk about scholarship. I mean, if, if we publicize what men, what boys, 18-year-old boys in this country, how much scholarship they were earning, I mean, I don't think anybody really that wanted to play college tennis would enter or wanted to play college athletics would enter into tennis because there's no scholarship available for Americans. You have a few programs. They're even giving scholarships to Americans. So you're taking away that opportunity. You're taking away the opportunity to catch up. What about the late bloomers? So that means if you didn't start at six and seven, you can't play anymore. You don't understand the can of worms that's opened up when that happened. So to take that away, yes. And, and I'm thinking, I was with me, I'm like, well, you know what, college tennis is dead. Let's just keep moving. But, hey, it's a big part of what we do in this country, it's a big part. I mean, young kids that are athletes grow up watching college athletics. So if tennis is not an option, they're probably not going to play tennis, a lot of them. Would you elaborate on the thing where you said small guys are discriminated against and then also how shortening the season, the matches, the sets, the games, and the points – matters but how are small guys 
discriminated against? Well, um, small guys are discriminated against because we're watching, watching like Schwartzman, who just took a set off Nadal, um, how he was able to do that. Now, those two have similar game styles, and we can talk about that in a, in, in a different forum, but they have similar game styles. They're going to try to win in similar fashions. They're going to try to lengthen points out. They're going to try to take away legs first. All right, and if you don't have a scoring format that allows you to lengthen the games, all of a sudden that, sh- that shortens up your sets. Now, we've already shortened sets by adding tiebreakers. So if you don't think, you know, people think, well, the technology matters. The technology absolutely matters. Does that change things? For sure. But this stuff is changing things more than the, the strings or the rackets. Those things definitely changed the way the, the size of the player. But now all of a sudden, and did that better the game? I mean, that's, that's definitely something we can talk about. Did that make it more exciting? Did that fill the stands more? I don't think so. So you're taking away a game style that has to do predominantly with smaller players because smaller players can't knock you off the court with serves. They can't usually can't knock you off the court with their ground strokes. They're just not going to hit bigger than bigger players. All right, so if that's the case, what do they have to do? They usually can move a little bit better than the bigger players, so they need to outrun you. And to outrun you, they need the the points to go longer. And everybody that's played tennis understands when oxygen deprivation hits, how much pain you're in. You're in a tremendous amount of pain. So when they can inflict pain that way over a length of time, then they can win matches. Now, you've taken that out of tennis. You've taken that out by shortening format and changing technology with things. Now, why, why is that important? What, because these players traditionally have been a large portion. I mean, we have, tennis has been great regardless of size of player and game style. You've had a lot of differences out there. I was out in Oklahoma at the uh, Tulsa tournament a few years ago, and a, a buddy of mine that was a national champion in wrestling came up to me and he said, I just have one question for you. He said, why is all the Americans playing exactly the same? And, and it's, it's, some of it is, is the coaching, some of, and, and shame on us for doing that. But some of it is because of what we're talking about right now. Like they don't, there's no other way they can survive. So it, it gets down, you start discriminating against certain sizes on the court. So if you're a bigger player in a shortened format, you have an advantage. I mean, that's, that's just incredible, Coach. Uh, Coach, I want to go to commercial, and we'll, we'll be right back and just dive into a few other things. But um, we just really, really appreciate uh, all that you bring to the table here. We'll be right back in a second. This is Coach Chuck Creasy, and it's American Tennis. This is Coach J.P. Weber of the We Coach Tennis Radio Show. In my 30 years' experience in coaching tennis, I've never seen a better tennis training situation for children than Coach Creasy's total tennis training camps. Chuck Creasy has coached them and trained them in every arena from 
juniors to collegiate to professional tennis, and over 15,000 children have improved their games at his summer tennis camps. Find out more at ChuckCreasy.net. That's ChuckCreasy.net. This is Coach Chuck Creasy, and folks, go to ChuckCreasy.net. After 43 summers, this will be my last summer at doing tennis camps. Come to Sumter, South Carolina in July and be in my last camp. Folks, I've had over 15,000 kids through my camps. Love for your child to come and have uh, have the last camp session with me. I'll also be for a weekend camp up there in Cookville, Tennessee, for a weekend camp this summer. Folks, go to ChuckCreasy.net. Now, listen, I wanted to tell you also, if you'll go to ChuckCreasy.net, we have information. I will come to your club. I will come and we do seminars or consulting business. I am the only person, I'm telling you, this is the truth, and it's not a brag, that I'm the only person in the United States and in the world who has a system of controlling momentum for your business, for your tennis, for your sports team. Go to ChuckCreasy.net and learn more. champions in America, and yep, we need to be following the example that's being given at the French Open right now by some of these great, great, these exhibitions of physical and mental and emotional toughness are sincerely inspiring. I love it. As a tennis person, you should love it. Hey, as Americans, this is what we need, and there's some folks out there capable. You know, Tony Tony Dungy Coach Blumadol said, you fail because you can't do, you won't do, or you only do. That's a pretty darn good statement. It's not about can't do. I think it's we won't do and we only do. Would you talk about that briefly? And then would you, uh, and I think you've already hit that, but I wanted to ask you about that Djokovic match that we had yesterday and what it meant to the kids to watch that. Yeah, that uh, the joke or Marco Chicanato is it? Well, come on, we, I'm we sure better learn how to pronounce his name. <laughs> this is the thing with with him is in. Uh, he's, uh, he's my hero now. Joke, that, that's right. We're watching it, and I'm I'm trying like I'm I'm like wow the drama's building and building, and 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 Coach Creasy is saying to me, I'm a fan. Sign me up. Sign me up. And and maybe you can elaborate. But there was a few things that happened in the third set, in the fourth set, they were very inspiring. And then to to finish it when he won, the way he won and the things he said at the end, 
wow, I mean, we might have a role model there because it, it's been a while since I've seen a lot of those things. But could you explain, Coach, some of those things that you saw that you were like, oh, I'm, I, I'm a fan here? Well, it got to the place where, um, again, tennis is a sport where it's not as much about – there, there are probably he was seventy in the world, so there are a hundred players that are physically good enough to be matched up against any except probably the top five. And yeah, yeah, maybe Djokovic's a little bit off his game physically. I, you know, the announcers, dang on it, you guys make too much of oh, their forehands or backhands and things, but the mental part of the game and the emotional toughness, not mental toughness. The mental part is are the decision-making processes, but the emotional tough, toughness to endure the ups, the downs, the kick-arounds, the roller coaster, and the merry-go-round that the tennis gods bring to us is just unbelievable. In that match, in the in the fourth set, in the third and the fourth set, the fourth set in particular, we had our kids watch it at the camp today when where where I'm helping out, and. Um, we asked the kids, where did it turn? Everybody said 5-2, Djokovic up, and he sort of let his guard down. Well, what does it mean letting his guard down? Where? Well, he sort of, there's a saying that if you want to be good in tennis, you do the things that are hard to do when you don't have to do them. It's what you do when you don't have to do them. It's like studying five nights before the test, in the fourth and the third and the second night before the test, you do all that, then you're ready for that test. It's not about crisis management. It's not about just that moment. Well, at that point, it was very obvious, Coach, that Djokovic sort of, he had uh, lost four out of five points, I believe, two ball rallies, one ball rallies. Now, the big points, he was sure, uh, he understood the big points. They were playing 25 ball rallies. And, and the other kid, Marco, was just scrapping, 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 many times getting balls into court. But the point is, he was showing that he would not crack. One of the things out there I wanted to bring this up, I tell all the players all the time that you don't beat people in tennis. You make them lose. You force them to lose. At a young age, it's just by making more balls, and then you learn how to force more, and then you learn how to force errors more. It's not out, not about winners. You force the person to lose, but it's mainly a resilience. It's a resilience that is taught through the structure of the game of tennis. The winning by two and, and the, the endurance that it takes mentally, not just emotionally. And I don't want to go off the tangent here, but I had one of my friends call me recently said, my son just made the semifinals of a big tournament. He won this long 7-6 in the third match, and then the next day it was as if he didn't show up for the semifinals. I said, well, uh, Dad, look, the bottom line is it, you, your emotional endurance is a muscle too. Physical endurance, mental endurance, emotional endurance, they're all muscles that you have to learn to exercise. Did you know how, Coach, we are cheating our players we are cheating our players by not stretching them emotionally, physically, and mentally. The physical part, first of all, I used to argue all the time, nobody dies on the tennis court. What happens when you get tired? You miss balls and you lose. You, you miss balls and you lose. You go down. Fatigue makes cowards of us all, Johnny Wooden said. But when your legs go, it's only 10 minutes longer. When somebody bends over and grabs their 
grabs their, their knees and bends over. I said, 10 more minutes of discipline, this baby is over. And, and we're cheating our kids out of that. But the Djokovic thing, that was a big point. And then the 5-4 game, I think the, the, the big thing, he gave away that game easy so it wasn't like he could give away uh, the guy's Marco service game and then ramp it up for his. He played a crummy game then. But then it was how many times Marco's heart got broken. He almost had it stripped away, almost had it stripped away, almost had it stripped away and still endured. But the critical point was that time where Djokovic started hushing the crowd. That's, like that's what I was going to ask. If you could elaborate on that, because we were watching this together, and, and there's, a, there's a few things that, that you mentioned when we were watching it that are – that are brilliant, and I think everybody needs to understand about tennis. But there was a, a, a point in the match late in the fourth set where Djokovic misses a ball, and then he starts, you know, chastising. I don't know if it was the fans, the wind. It was something else, all right? It wasn't him. He was, he was competing with something else. And at that point – the dynamic of the match turned. Can you explain a little bit of what happened so players understand when they're competing where their focus needs to be? Now, we're talking about a player that has won more Grand Slams than almost everybody in the history of the game. So if he is vulnerable in these situations, now he's coming back right now, which is very difficult, but if he's vulnerable, boy, I mean, if you're playing – the state closed this weekend in Florida. Hey, this could this could happen. But the, the way that you explained it, if everybody understood that the missing balls were going to start creeping in because of certain things that will, that is going on in your own head, this could really help out. But what did you see at that point? Well, the the other player, the Italian player's resilience, made Djokovic. Go. We say there's three battles: man versus man, man versus nature, and man versus inner man. Made him go man versus nature. Right away, he found he blamed something. Right? No, I don't want to say it in the wrong way because he does honor the game. I think, but at that moment, he did not honor the game. The game is bigger, bigger than any of us. The game deserves our honor. When your kids show their rear ends on the court and act up, they are not honoring the game. They're not – they're trying to get it to work for them. In the slightest turn there, what happened, he had an easy ball when he got an opportunity, and he missed the easy ball. And he turned around to the crowd, and he goes, shh, shh, everybody, everybody, shh. You guys sort of like, you guys made me miss it. Well, there's three battles. Man versus nature is when you worry about line calls, referees, the wind, the rain, broken strings. All the things that happen is man versus nature. Man versus inner man is the toughest battle. That's all of the things that go on inside of us in the battle that we have to learn to win there or at least to deal with. Man versus man is the battle of versus the other person. And guess what? The tennis gods have the last say-so no matter what. If you watch Federer play, he honors the game of tennis. It's about he honors the game first, and he is a participant in the game. It is not the Roger Federer show. 
It, it is nobody's show. It's not the Djokovic. It's not the Nadal show. It's not the Coach Chuck Creasy show. It's not the Randy Blumendahl show. We must honor the game of tennis. And I don't want to go off on this tangent again, Coach, but the most, just the most despicable, disgusting, shameful thing in the world is the arrogance of these administrators that would try to change our scoring system of 145 years. What gives them the right, what gives you guys out there the right who are doing this to think, oh, we're bigger than the game. We want to market it in a different way. Oh, we're afraid of pickleball, so let's make it quicker. Oh, people's concentration just isn't the arrogance, even Djokovic. Now, what happened when he turned to that something else other than the game of tennis? It was you crowd, the crowd, the subtlety was that all players, no matter who you are in a tough match, will make your unforced errors when you're ahead. Everybody makes unforced errors when you're ahead. You'll play worse when you're ahead and better when you're behind. When you start to lose the subtlety, if you watch the long, do sad war zones, is that people choke when they're ahead, then they play good when they're behind, and they, based on where they're at in their confidence level, they'll, this is how they'll play when it's tied. But Djokovic, if you notice, if you go back, he, he screwed up when he was ahead. He was tight. Everybody's tight when they're ahead. And then what happened is that he made, I think, three critical errors when he was tied after that. Then you start making errors when you're tied. And then when you make unforced errors that are silly unforced errors when you're ahead, it's all over. It is all over. And that is, there is so much to our game of tennis about the swinging the swinging momentum from being ahead, behind, even, ahead, behind, even. First we have it, then we don't. No, we have it. No, we don't. And you have to stay in the moment and do those things that are required of us of the game of tennis. You must stay on task. The minute you start thinking about winning, when your eyes look at the prize, they tell you many lies, Coach. And that's what happened with him. That's what happened. It was very subtle. And listen, to his credit, after the match, of course, he was gracious. He's been taught to do that. It was a great, valiant, and he had a good comeback tournament. He's not going to make the big journey all at once. Neither is Serena. No, neither is anybody who's been out. But the point is, and Andy Murray, when he comes back, he's going to have to go through paying his dues again. That's what happens with the game of tennis. But remember, folks, the three battles we have are Man versus man, man versus inner man, and man versus nature. He failed against man versus nature. When he did, it was about done. It was about done in that thing because he started making unforced errors when he was tied. And then, of course, the guy finally came up with a good shot on, on match point. But but uh, anyhow, the, the tragedy, if that match would have been, I sent out a thing. I don't do Facebook too often, but I sent out a um text to a good friend. I hope he puts it up. But the tragedy in no ad scoring is how shallow. How shallow. Those victories don't even mean anything. When when people get a no ad victory or a tiebreaker to third set victory, you don't go forward. It's sort of like, you know, it, it, it's just not a real win. So the point being is that it, there's a lot to be seen in that match. 
And, uh, folks, if you don't have it on clay, if you don't have traditional scoring, if you don't have it where it matters a lot, you're not going to pick those things up. Tell us real quick. We only got a few minutes here, Coach. Tell us real quick where we're failing and what we need to do real quick. And, and, and then we'll wind her up here. Well, it, um, a few years back, um, I, you know, I felt like I had a young team that was starting to develop and, and really starting to blossom and, and had a really good chance of accomplishing their goals. And their goals were win a national championship, win the Big Ten. And I knew there was a piece that was missing. And I knew it wasn't physical. So I had this group come in because Alabama football, and I knew some coaches that, that were went through this, had hired on Pacific Institute to come in, and really they were having a problem teaching their players how to, to have a vision, a common vision, and then how to punish when they did wrong. And they wanted them to understand values and, and basically that they were making those decisions. So what I'm getting at is, is we went through this whole process and we learned about this thing called reticular activation system, which is similar to law of attraction. And there's a whole study on it that um, really what happens is you, you've got millions of things going on around you, but your, your brain can only, or your, your uh, conscious brain can only take so many things at one time. So you focus on certain things. So if I was to say to Coach Creasy, red Ferrari, and we, he probably hasn't seen a red Ferrari in five years. That'd be my guess. I bet in the next week we'd probably see two or three red Ferraris because that's what we're focused on. How about red pickup truck? Red, red pickup <laughs> truck, we've seen that's those. More <laughs> we've seen those. So, so the, the, the point to all that is we're not focused on the right thing. So we're not coming up with the right answers. And that's what I learned wow. that year. And, and when, when we did that, we went on – at Indiana University, we went on the biggest win streaks of all time, and we changed paradigms at that school. Now, we didn't win the national that year, but we changed every – we broke every team record that was going on for the last 100 years in that one season. So how did that happen? We were focused on different things. We were focused on things that were going to help us be successful. Now, right now, we're not focused on those things. We're in talking tennis. about – in tennis, we're talking about things in American tennis that are not going to help inspire the next generation, and they're not going to produce Grand Slam champions. So we're like, well, we're getting that on the on the women's side, but really, we're talking about one player. We're talking about one player, and then and then there's been a few other things. And really, if you're around, sometimes you assimilate. But let's see what happens when she's gone. Let's see what happens when she's gone. So, it, you know, maybe, maybe we can talk about that. You know, that's an interesting subject, but why is it not? It's a different set of rules on the men's side. Why are we not focused on what we need to? So where are we failing? We're not really chasing after it the same way that the rest of the world is. And all we're doing is saying, well, since we're not chasing after it the same way, let's change the rules. 
well, how are we honoring the game? And what, who are we inspiring by doing that? That would be the dog ate my homework speech. I mean, who, who's like, boy, I want to be his best friend. He said the dog ate his homework. That's the guy I want to hang out with. That's what we're doing in tennis. So, yeah, I mean, it's not the talent. It's not the kids. We, we still have great – we have amazing kids coming through. It's really our leadership and what we're getting everybody around us to focus on. So that that's where we're missing it. Now, what would that look like? A lot of, I mean, if you rewind the show, a lot of it's right is exactly what we've been talking about the entire time. So you're like, well, that sounds too simple. Well, it's not systems. It's nothing slick. It's just rolling up the sleeves and just putting in the sweat. I remember an old coach telling me a long time ago, he said, you know, you see this court, it's like five courts put together and the windscreens went up maybe six, seven, eight feet tall. He said, when you get to the point where you've sweat enough where you could fill up all five courts up to that level, then we can start talking about championships. Now, when do we talk about that in tennis now? No, we talk about, hey, well, I don't think the angle on your forehand's quite right. Come on, think about this, guys. How many players over the years have the same forehands that are winning championships? How many of them had the same serves? And we know biomechanics, that's not it. That's not the key. It's not the key. It's figuring out inside out, the, the heart. And if we don't get the kids to, to see the right stuff, it's not going to happen. And I know there's kids out there that love it because they're RAS is watching pro tennis all the time and they're studying it and they're reading about it and they absolutely love it. But then they get told or they get focused on these little things that sidetrack them and take them down a different road. And then all of a sudden they get discouraged. They're like, well, maybe I I got it wrong. Maybe I got it wrong. They didn't get it wrong. They didn't, they just don't have the right people around them at the right times so they can take off when they need to take off. And if that happens, we all know we have enough talent. It's not that, hey, all of a sudden our, our Grand Slam champions that were 15, 16, 17 years old just forget how to win. That, or, hey, they didn't have enough talent. They were good enough juniors, but they didn't have enough talent. Come on. That's not what's going on. That's not what's going on. We're, we are through systems because we're trying to save jobs and we're trying to carve our own ways out as, as leaders and administrators. We are taking down the kids to build our own resumes up. And, and in the end, we're all losing. It's a lose-lose. So if, as soon as we are able to say, hey, it's not about me, because why would you get into coaching if it was about you? As soon as we say that and the leaders start saying, hey, it's not about me, and then we start focusing on what needs to happen to create excellence, not how are we going to fill the stands, because everybody knows it's been around sports. If there's excellence around, people want to watch. And I don't care what the sport is. So when we start start thinking like that, yeah, it, it'll change things. Before then, I mean, if, if we continue down this path, guess what? We're going to get exactly what we're trying to get. And it's shame on us because we're destroying the dreams of a generation. And I, that's what really makes it personal to me, is when you take away that for your own benefit, for your own fame, and for your own fortune, and you're not getting a whole lot of fame in tennis. So let's, I can almost just, I mean, that's, that's kind of a joke to even talk about it. So I, it's really, 
for for your own little piece, whatever that is. And and it's just not a good thing. I mean, it's not in college tennis. Wow, guys, wow. I mean, that, that's very bad, very bad what you're doing. And and hey, you don't think that you'll get the same. I mean, you're protecting your salaries, guys. The guys that are making the big salaries and the guys that are that are leaders out there. Come on, guys. Why did you get into tennis? I mean, Lexus needs another uh, uh, car salesman if you need to do that job, or you could go down the road and sell used cars, or you can get on the Internet and do eBay stuff. But come on, these are kids. That's where it's just, you know, we have a generation of players right now on the boys' side that was amazing in juniors. Where are they? Where are they? Why are they floundering? It's not because of talent, and it's not because they don't want to. Coach, I could not add anything to what you're saying. Thank you for what you're doing. Everybody out there, listen to the message. We need you involved, too. Stand up. Speak out. When they play abbreviated scoring at your tournaments, go up and be kind, but say, look, my child, my son, my daughter practices lots and lots of hours. We paid lots and lots of money to come here. We do not want to play abbreviated tennis. We do not want to play. We do not want to play something other than what we've trained for. Please honor the game. All of us need to honor the game. We need to stand up. We need to speak out. All of us. And, and coach, thank you. And hope it's time to go. But uh, coach, everybody's your show Sunday. Sunday at 7. Sunday at 7, Coach's Corner on the Yellow Ball Network. Um, looking forward to it. And, Coach, thank you again for, You're for having me on the show. You're welcome. And no no more sunshine pump my hey, way. No, no. Let's, let's stand up. Let's stand up for tennis. Stand up and speak out. Made in America. Born in a heartland. Raised up a family. A King James and a Bullsang.